you're tuned into the October Recovery Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm not an addiction counselor, specialist, or professional. On this podcast, you'll hear discussion regarding 12-step recovery programs and how they have impacted our lives. However, the podcast is not a promotion or an endorsement of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. The opinions shared on this show are those of the individual speaker. If you or someone you love is suffering from addiction and needs help, call Recovery Centers of America, 1-855-487-9626. The email is recoverycentersofamerica.com. There you will find detox, inpatient, and outpatient services in Danvers, Westminster, Mass., Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. Another recovery option is Banyan Treatment Center, started by pro skateboarder Brendan Novak. Locations are Pennsylvania, Chicago, four locations in Florida, and one in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Also, help with addiction can be found at Foundations Recovery Network at 1-877-714-1318. October Recovery Podcast, Episode 4. Yes, I'm here today with my friend Tim. We met a couple years ago at a noontime meeting that... Uh, we both frequented, and uh, Tim's been gracious enough to host me at his humble abode here today. Tim, what's up, man? Hi, AJ. So we're going to try this take two. Take two. We tried this the other day, and uh, it's had some technical difficulties, but we're back, man. We're back. How's it going? How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing very well. It was good to hear from you this morning, and, I, and I'm happy, as always, to have you over here. I like it. Yeah. I like your spot. It's comfortable. It's, oh, uh, let's talk about it, man. Let's, we're here to talk about recovery. Love and, it. And it's important to um, to share this message. So, uh, you know, like I said, we, we met in a 12-step program. You know, I, I've shared my story of how I got there. So uh, what brought you to the 12-step program? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, so the thing, funny thing about Alcoholics Anonymous for me, which is the 12-step program, right, is I drank for about 25 years. And I'm not counting that early messing around. I'm talking professionally. I drank for 25 years. And I come from a long line of alcoholics. Uh, not pointing any fingers. Just, just being honest that you know my family tree is full, uh, is full of alcoholics. And you would think that being surrounded by alcohol and alcoholics, I would know something about Alcoholics Anonymous. But I really, I didn't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. My, my, the only thing I really knew, I mean, I knew the steps, but I just didn't know what they were. I knew there was 12 of them. I okay. knew that. I didn't. And I knew, I knew the ninth one was saying you're sorry because there was an episode on Seinfeld where James Spader was the co-star and he didn't give George a proper apology and George gave him some grief and he ended up <laughs> relapsing in a tub of rum raisin because he was working at Baskin Robbins. Okay. Fantastic. Go ahead, check it out. But that's all I really knew about it. But amazingly enough, when the magic turned tragic and I had nowhere else to turn, I knew it was almost like instinctively I knew where to go. I knew to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, I had nowhere else to go per se, yeah. but even still. So I think even back then, even though I didn't really have a connection with my higher power, my higher power was still working for me. And if I really look back, even to, you know, when I was drinking, I was hanging with a friend of mine and we're drinking and you know, we were doing drugs too. And he says, you know, man, he goes, he goes, man, God is trying to get a hold of you. Like, and I, and of course I have, I have no higher power. I don't know about God really. I, so I didn't know that at the time that my higher power or God, whatever you want to call yeah doesn't come down and speak directly to me mm. but tries to get a hold of me through other people yeah. it's up to me to be open-minded and interpret and understand and receive these things and know what to do with them but I at the time it. i was closed-minded but so much really was going my way that someone who wasn't even emotionally invested in the situation was like dude yeah look at this and i was like no 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 but yeah yeah. Eventually, what happened to me was... So did he... Oh, this, this was This was early on. Uh, so he was just trying to get you to believe and not necessarily stop drinking. So I... Exactly. So I survived an accident, like a really bad car accident. He said, 
well, that's God, you know, saved you. For, and I was like, well, I was like, I think I, I was half asleep. So I was relaxed. So I didn't break my back, you know, and I just got bruised. So I'm, I always was very scientific or, yeah. you know, I was a numbers guy, two yeah. plus two equals four, you know? Yep. And so literal. I, could, I could literally, oh, I'm captain literal. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. I, I could literally just say, oh, that was a coincidence. In my mind, right. I wrote things off because I didn't have faith. Okay. And you had to prove it to me. It had to go right down in front of me, lock, stock, two smoking barrels. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I wasn't saying, oh, it could have been. Yeah. So you were uh, so you were boozing at that point. Were you were you close to stopping at that point with him, or were you? Uh, where, what, where was? So the last five years of my drinking was really bad. I hit when I hit bottom, and I hit so hard because mm. I, I just I couldn't stop. I tried to stop so many ways on my own because I thought I was smart and I, and I was going to figure this out, you know. Yeah. But I wasn't smart enough to get the phenomena of craving. But mm. when I hit bottom, it cracked my ego. I got a little crack in me, just enough to let some light shine in hmm. that had never been there before. So when, my, when I'm talking about a crack in yeah, me, okay. well, I'm talking about my ego finally got a, listen, you're not that good. Settle down. Relax. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I've heard ego stands for- Easing. Right? God out. Yeah. Right. So that crack lets God in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about- uh, you know, share with me a couple minutes about about early on, and I don't know. Oh, some of the craziness. Yeah, that, like how on? did it, how did it come about? Like, what was your childhood like? Just give me a quick. Yeah, I mean, okay. you don't, we don't have to talk forever, but I want to yeah, I want to yeah. hear a little bit about it. Sure, that's great because people do get identification that way. I mean, no one wants to listen to a huge drunk log when they go to a meeting, but it is how I think some that people I like was, it. Well, th- but some because like well, sometimes it. it's entertaining. Let's not kid ourselves. Well, well, some people I think really really need that identification, oh. and I don't know because I I hear a lot of people say that. Oh, I'm you know they get up to the podium. I and mean, I've been I've been guilty of it. I'm not going to get you give you a big drunk log. I've also like heard other people go, "Oh, I wish you told me more." Like I was getting yeah. so much identification, but but it really should be it should be experience, strength, and hope right. before, during, and after. You know that yeah. whole big thing yeah. about a drunk log. Yes. Yep. So let me hear a little bit about it. Right, but I will I will give you a little <laughs> bit of it. So I was the youngest of four, and again, like I don't blame anyone for my my alcoholism. Like even if I was genetically inherited it, if I never picked up a drink. I never would have been an alcoholic. I wouldn't be here today. So I have to take some responsibility as to who did what. But growing up, I was the youngest of four. And I I just mentioned that because I was able to get things in my life, drugs and alcohol, Mm. oh, sex too, uh, earlier than all my friends because I hung out with kids older than I hung out with my sisters and my brother's friends. And I was able to, you know, yeah, just get drugs and alcohol before anyone and right I was there. and again I was exposed to things at a at a younger age you were exposed yeah right so I when I was in elementary school I was hanging out with kids who were in junior high and, and even in high school yeah. you know and so that I it's just one of those things you know I'm looking back that definitely affected me yeah um growing up in my house my sister kind of led the way like my brothers and sisters like they broke the trail for me of teaching me how to party and not get caught because they were awful at it because they had no one to teach them they were just blindly going like my parents Oh, my poor parents. They would go to the store, you know, they'd go down to the, yeah. the local grocery store just yeah. to go shopping. And my sister would be like, they're gone. Like, right. she would, and she would call someone and they would come over and they would have parties. You know, they just bring a couple cases of beer or whatever. Now, yeah. my sister probably at this time is like a junior high and she's hanging out with high school kids. But like I said, my poor parents, they would come home from yeah. just grocery shopping and there'd be like three or four trucks in the driveway and a bunch of kids right. drinking beer. And, right. you know, and so at a young age, I was, here's the thing. Um, I remember this one party that there was a kid like I went to grab a beer and he was like you can't have a beer so I was in like third grade right and he was probably if I'm doing the math, third like, grade wow yeah third grade and I know this because just the time my sister would have been in junior high okay. putting these kids in early high school yeah you know yeah. So, so yeah. how that timeline works yeah. so this kid who you know is in early high school this is the best because he's the voice of reason like I go to grab a beer and he's like hey you can't grab it yeah. now maybe he was one of us he was an alcoholic and he was just protecting the stash <laughs> yeah, right but how much can this little kid booze can this little kid drink? Well, right. it turns out to be a lot, uh-huh. but later. So I get the beer and I'm drinking it and he goes, all right, all right. He goes, but that's your only one, you know? And I'm like, what? So now I'm grabbing the drink. My, I'd also like to say, I know it's third grade because this, this is my, this is my first drink. Wow. You know, I'd seen people drinking around me. I knew what beer was, but now I got one. And so it was like my first drink, I was like holding on to it, you know, like nobody's business. And then when I finished it, I wanted to prove to this kid I wasn't drunk so I could get another beer. Wow. You know, and I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the taste of it. It was carbonated. It was kind of tough to put down. Yep. But they were doing it, and I wanted to belong, you know, and so I put that down. And so now here I am trying to prove, like, I'm not drunk. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, proving you I'm not drunk. And right. he's like, oh, my God. He's like, this kid's crazy. Right. Like, but think about, 
yeah, how crazy I was was I, I that was my first drink and I was always already defending my right to drink right. alcohol. Yeah, it's crazy. In yeah. third grade, unbelievable. Yeah. So where did so where did that where did that uh, what so did that lead to? The general the general thing was like we lived in this kind of rural area. We had this community which was or the, our, our neighborhood was like uh, a big circle with like three uh, straight lines between it, and there were all streets, you know. And then we lived right next to the at the time they were trying to build a golf course. We had all this like open land and ride dirt bikes and whatnot. And so we were like weekend warriors, you know. Basically, we partied on the weekends, like yep. you know. And the thing was, you know, as you're a kid, I didn't have like an apartment like this where I could go and get a you know, decant some Cabernet and throw it into a snifter or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we stole alcohol. Like, yeah. We couldn't get it, so we stole it, and then we went in the woods and we drank it. You know, that that's how my drinking career started. And it's interesting, too, because I was a binge drinker, and I was a binge drinker right from the get-go. I mean, when you steal it and you don't have time, and it's in a Dixie cup, you know, four fingers in a Dixie cup of gin, I throw that down like I'm drunk. Right. And I threw it down too fast, and maybe I eat. So I would drink, I would get drunk, and I would fall down. That's how I started my career. And the irony is, that's exactly how I uh-huh. ended my career. I was so, I could, I could, I was a horizontal drinker. I couldn't stay upright. Gravity really had done a number on me, and I was knocking myself over. And I just, I at the end, I was, I was flipping and flopping. You know, I couldn't. And I know I really just jumped through a lot there. No, there's, that's there's okay. a lot of progression, but at, no, no. At, at the end, like, I just couldn't. You know, I couldn't stop drinking. But by that time, it was already, you know, the game was up. And yeah. I, once you're physically addicted to alcohol yeah. and you, you start shaking when you can't stop like that's that's where I was you know and that that's where I ended up that was a brutal place and you know again I just I fought it for so long were you were you fighting it from yourself because so you're you're a single guy we were talking about before you know I have a family so I had to hide it now were you were you were you fighting it just from yourself or were you trying to hide it from loved ones well I well? was I was fighting for my friend Al Kahal, yeah, right. I I did not want to lose him. He was my best friend, right. and that's see, doesn't matter what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about alcohol, but we could be sitting here talking about anger, which we could get to in a minute. Yeah, yes, uh, yes, yes. We could talk about overeating or yeah. you know, yeah. sex addiction. Which, yeah. by the way, you know, I mean, if you're not addicted to sex, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> we but, all uh, need recovery <laughs> somewhere, man. Right, Everybody. exactly. We we all have issues, but the problem with having a problem is they all center in the mind mm. not saying that it, it doesn't exist when i say hey all your problems are in your mind not that they don't exist but that literally is where the problem exists it creates and that's where it will be solved and the, so the first problem is you don't realize you have a problem right right i mean I, I was the last one to figure out i was an alcoholic the look on people's faces was like no everybody the gig was up everybody knew right but, but when you realize absolutely <clears throat> and, and that's a great point when you did realize that you had the problem did you were you hiding? Were you, did you have rules in in place regarding your use of drugs and alcohol? And yeah, when I when I was drinking, I did I did have rules. So I called them the big three. The big three uh, were the lies that I told myself so I could perpetuate my drinking, and they were this: I wasn't drinking in the morning because Lord knows if you drink in the morning, you're an alcoholic. Oh, is you're that what full that means? blown? Oh, I, I think so. Normal people. I wasn't drinking at work because yeah, okay, if yeah, you're drinking I at, had that rule. Now, unless you were a bartender, I can give you that one. Yeah. Uh, and then the third one is I'm not losing jobs because mm-hmm. of my drinking. So no matter what happened, I was always able to pull those three out and dust them off and go, I'm okay. Yeah. Now, do you know why? Because I hung around with like-minded people. I hung around in uh, well, I worked in restaurants, so I was in resort destinations, and it was surrounded by people just like myself. And as long as I didn't stab somebody or steal from like a little old lady, all was forgiven. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was just drunk. It's okay. You know, pay your tab and we'll see you later. And usually as I came back to pay my tab and make, you know, if I say make amends, I really wasn't amending anything, but come back to pay my tab, I would, another drink would always come that way. So I'd show up all hungover. And, and, and you know, that I always had a kind of a, run, a running joke too, because I, I do like to find humor in difficult situations, even back then. Absolutely. I'd walk into the bar to pay my tab that I ran out on the night before and I'd go, hey, I, I was here last night and I, uh, I left my dignity here. Did, <laughs> did anyone find it? You know? So tell me about the end and, and, um, you know, we talked earlier about uh, the crack when you hit rock bottom and the cracks. And so I don't know how many you had, you know, how many bottoms you had. But uh, tell me about them. Yeah, this is good. This is good because I because I do remember this. I remember where I was. I remember the situation, the, all the, the, the scenarios around it. I remember at this point in my drinking, well, I had stopped on my own. OK, and whether you're stopping in Alcoholics Anonymous or stopping on your own or whatever it is, most normal people or normal drinkers, they don't have to stop. Their, right. They don't have to stop the drinking. So right. there's there's a heads up right there, you right. know. Yeah. So I had stopped on my own. I didn't need you people. I didn't need to go to meetings. So, because at this time, my drinking got 
people had now suggested, and I may have gone to a meeting or not, but I'm not really in recovery. So I had stopped drinking on my own for six months, and lo and behold, things got better. Mm. Like, I felt better. I, um, I had more money. Mm. My job was better. Mm. I had moved into a nicer apartment. The mm-hmm. relationship with my girlfriend was better. And my mom, who had been sick at the time, uh, she was doing better too. Like, everything in my life was better. So I thought to myself, well, my drinking was bad and because everything was bad. So surely now that Things everything's good. good, my drinking's going to be good. So I had, I had taken six months off, and I went back to drinking, and I remember it. I remember it because I had just moved also, and I moved like two days after my birthday. That was my birthday's Rocktober 1st, and I moved on Rocktober 3rd. (laughs) And on the 24th of October, I was admitted into a hospital for the first time of many. And I was on the verge of a grand mal seizure. So what happened was I went, I moved, and I I picked up. Obviously, I had a reservation about drinking. I wanted to drink, and that was why I moved. I went to an area where nobody knew me. But the problem with is I I brought myself with me when I moved. And I started drinking again, and I picked up. Right where I left off. And what do you and mean I by pa- that? So at the end, there's a reason I stopped. I was drinking so heavily. Things got so bad because I was consuming copi- copious amount of like hard liquor. I'm drinking, you know, straight vodka yep. at this point, maybe yep. with a little mixer. And things got so bad that I stopped drinking. And then six months later, six you months later, I pick and, up and, and it was the same amount. I passed that point in folds and flying colors. You know, past past the wagon running. Like I picked up where I left off, and then some. And I so I amped up. Now I'm drinking even more. And in a three week time period, yeah, I ended up uh, on the verge of a grand mal seizure. Yeah. I ended up calling an, uh, an ambulance for myself. And I remember I went to the hospital for the grand mal seizure. I it was spin dry. I dried out there. I came back home. I and I kept drinking. I started drinking again. Yeah. And it got bad again real fast, and then I was so it's just this little cycle that was going on, and I'm like just locked down in my apartment. Like also, if anyone's wondering what's the kid doing, like yeah, I'm just day drinking. Like I'm not even working, and I'm isolated too. And I remember thinking, okay, this has got to stop. And of course, you know, when I was desperate enough, I prayed. And um, my problem was at that time, I I mean, even though I knew I had a problem, like I could admit my life had become unmanageable. I didn't know about the phenomena of craving. I didn't, I honestly, I just did not know a lot about alcoholism in that sure. sense. Yeah. And that once I put the drink in me, I can't stop. It yep. sets off the phenomena of craving. One yeah. drink calls for more. And so I was sick. You know, I was detoxing when I wake up in the morning and I'd be shaking. And, I, and so my plan now was to wean myself off. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to wean myself. I'm only going to just drink enough to stop myself from shaking. And you know, you know how that went. So I would time myself I could drink a half uh, a handle right half a gallon of vodka I would put down in like two days you know and so as I was trying to wean myself off I like I stretched it to three which was next to nothing you know I wasn't I wasn't able to wean myself off but I still didn't know what was going on so I just couldn't I mean, I honestly I just couldn't stop drinking how did you finally do it how did you finally stop I didn't we did yeah. How did I stop drinking? I, if I honestly look back on it, it's amazing. It's a miracle. I mean, you hear that all the time that I'm sober. There's no way I did this by myself. I finally stopped fighting. And I ex- there was some a level of acceptance, which more came later. But I just stopped fighting. And I was willing to admit, you know, that I had a problem. I couldn't do it on my own. Drum roll, please. I admitted I was an alcoholic. Yeah. I, I realized it was a problem. And I asked for help. Mm. When you say that you admitted you were an alcoholic, did you know that that meant I have a disease? No, I had no, at that point in time, I had no idea about, about, um, alcoholism being a disease mm-hmm. at all. I'd never, I'd never even heard it. Uh, I didn't realize that, you know, the uh, medical community classified it as such. Do you think you have a disease? You know, it, that's a great question. And it is, it is fodder for topic all around, uh, the rooms all the time. But the reality is it is it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I have I have alcoholism and I and left untreated, it's going to kill me. So it's classified as a disease because it's progressive. It's there's no cure for it and left untreated it, it's fatal. But I no, I love a good debate and, and I love to just, you know, I could take any yes, side. You, you do. You say and you you pick a topic and <laughs> give me a side and I'll debate it. All right, so here's the the other side of the the, the disease debate. If you told somebody that had cancer that all they had to do was go into this room with other cancer, people who have cancer, and talk about cancer, and they don't have to die from cancer just from talking. Do you think that person who has cancer would ever miss a meeting or would say, that meeting stinks? You know, like, so that's just, a, I, I love analogies and I, and I love comparison. Yeah. The, the thing is, this alcoholism, it, it is real. And yeah, you know what? I can, I can buy into a disease because it's, it is genetically passed down. I, I do believe that 
I inherited this, you know, but again, back to the, you know, I have to take my share of responsibility. Sure. I was, maybe I was dealt a bum hand, but I decided to sit down at the table and keep playing. You know what I'm saying? Like if I never put that drink in my body, I, I wouldn't be an alcoholic. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, I guess that's true. I heard some talk about that, um, recently, you know, with, Josh Gordon and him relapsing and some of the people who don't know about alcoholism. And what a sad story that is, really, to think of how much talent this guy has. Has so many chances, but can't get it. And think about, I mean, look, you're making all this money, just don't. It's, and it's not as, hey, just don't do the drugs. That's, it's not like that. Like, yeah. But he, he has the opportunity to make so much money playing football that when he's done playing football, he could then go do the drugs because he'll have all the money. Yeah. You know, I, I know this, this is some warped thinking, but he can't even stop for right now because he's addicted. He's addicted. Yeah. yeah, he's sick. So when I honestly, for myself, when I honestly realized that I had a problem and I was like, damn, I'm, I have to stop drinking. This is a problem. Yeah. My next thought was, okay, but not, not right now. Yeah. Like, I'll quit. Like, come on. No, who quits on a Friday? You don't, you don't quit on a Friday. You know, you don't quit drinking on a Friday. You can drink. And then Saturday, there's college football. So I'm not going to quit on college football. And then Sunday, well, there's the NFL. So of I'll quit on Monday. Oh, Monday <laughs> night football. I'll quit on Tuesday. And that's what I did. I quit on Tuesday. I was good. Tuesday, I quit. Wednesday, I quit. Yeah. And on the third day, Thursday, I'd be like, no, no, no. Friday, oh my Thursday God. night football would be on or something. You know, it wouldn't, it would never last long. No. And, but, and I'd get a little bit of traction, but then I'd, you know, that's what happens. We, as human beings, we have the, built-in forgetter like whatever happened to me when I was drinking made me feel so poorly that I wanted to stop that I did stop and then I got a little bit of time together I started feeling better again and then I got that built-in forgetter or it's a or selective memory maybe that's even a better term because I like to remember the fruity drink oh yeah umbrella the maraschino cherry or whatever it is I don't remember like hurling on the toilet or laying on the floor not being able to stand up all you know the fear of falling down in the shower I have a great little shower story. That was that. That's one of the reasons I like I, meetings are so important for me. Is that built-in forgetter comes alive when I go to these meetings, and um, it's wild. It's like I mean, and a meeting could be just this. Like it. So I should maybe I could rephrase that and say that's why it's so important for me to reach out and be in touch with the fellowship people who are like me. Yeah. My, my buddy Paul used to say he goes to meetings to find out what happens to people who don't go to meetings. Right. Yes. I love that. It's a good one. Yeah. yeah I mean, is. nobody's ever come back through the door and said, hey, 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 I figured it out. It's all good times. Because <laughs> you know what? I might leave with that person <laughs> if someone thought they had it figured out. Right. I but know. everyone comes back and they tell the same story. They do. And that's what makes it so powerful. Like there's no deviation. It's the truth. Like well, not all these people are lying. Once you get into AA, I believe, once you get... Once a person gets into AA, I believe their uh, their drinking career is augmented and not for the better. Doesn't mean they're going to stop, but if you've gotten into AA, you probably admitted that you have a problem with drinking, or someone's been pushing you that way. And listen, if you were a, if someone was a, a temperate drinker, no one would be pushing them to stop. You right. know, like if it wasn't a problem, you know. So I know very few people get into Alcoholics Anonymous by mistake. Now they might not stay sober, and now when they go back out to drinking, at least that was my thing. So every time. Well, actually, I don't, so after once I got into AA, I only went back out one time. That's what so I was going to ask. I you. tried to stop a bunch of times. So technically, if you're talking about you know being in recovery, me stopping on my own, that's not recovery. I did not because I did not ask for help. Recovery is me asking for help, going to a meeting, going into a detox, a psych ward, you know, a hospital, an institution, uh, not jail. I don't think that would count. Uh, but people do get sober in jail too, so there's no, you know, there's no judgment here in, in any any way, shape, or form. It happens everywhere. I like the way you put that. Like, what's because you hear that sometimes. What's the difference between people who are in recovery and people who are dry drunk? Well, people who are asking for help, right? It's that, and that's you know, I want to say that's it. That's the that's the not it. it. That's but one of not, the. Things. But it's one of the many fact, many facets. Is you know, growing up, it's almost like everything I was taught growing up was not a lie, but I have to unlearn these things because some of these things I've learned along the way, whether it was from society, my teachers, turned out not, not to be the best things for me. So, yeah, I'm trying to unlearn a lot of the things that I have learned. And one of those things 
is asking for help, yeah. you know, growing up, asking, you know, don't be weak, son, be a strong man. Uh, I'm not quoting a- my dad. I'm just saying asking for help is a sign of weakness, yeah, right? That's what I, that was, I was raised to believe it's that. It's such a bad thing to say. And it's say. the exact opposite. You, yeah. It takes so much strength to admit to another human being that you're having a problem, that you have these faults, and you, you need help. It, because why? Because it makes you vulnerable. Yes. You know, and nobody wants, who wants to feel vulnerable? Hey, what are you going to do today? I'll go out later. Make myself feel vulnerable. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> So that's good. So when you decided to ask for help, did you ask uh, in the form of a mentor or a sponsor? So this is great. Uh, you don't know what you don't know. And I'd never been to the Alcoholics Anonymous before, so I don't know what's going on. Like my right. first meeting I showed up to, I was late. And yeah. these people sat me down. And then, you know, when people know you're new. Did you get they, the stink guy when you walked in late? Uh, no, that, just, yeah, from future me, absolutely. So afterwards, uh, oh, this meeting also was at 6 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I'll give wow. it away. It was called First Things First. Yeah. And uh, Great I, re- way, huh? I remember when I first realized it was 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm thinking to myself, who the is going at 6 o'clock in the morning? 6 yeah. o'clock in the morning is for sleeping. Yeah. And the irony is, is that at some points in time of my career, drinking and drugging, was that was the time I was just heading in for the sure. night, calling it a day. I was going to sleep. These people are getting up and going to a meeting. And, uh, you know, it seemed awkward. It, and it, not, it actually was awkward. But I'll tell you what, to get up in the morning and get your butt to a meeting. Yep. And uh, it was great, too. This, at that time, the meeting had coffee, so you didn't have to you'd get up and go. And yeah, have you didn't coffee have to stop. And, right, exactly. And uh, what a great way to start your day. You're centered, you're balanced, you are ready to take on the day. A morning meeting, though it is tough to make, to, you know, to get your, you know what it is? And again, Seinfeld had a good one. Nighttime guy always screws morning time guy. Like, you got to get to bed early. Rather than stay up and watch that movie till uh, 12, 1, or 2 o'clock if you want to get up and make a 6 o'clock meeting. you got to screw you know? yourself. I like that. Yeah, 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 you screw the morning guy. Oh, nighttime guy always screws morning guy. So what happened when you walked into that? Was that, could you say, like, that's where I Tokyo John, talk, Tokyo John came up and grabbed, oh, he came outside because there was another door. But his name was Tokyo John? That's what he, yeah. We all have nicknames. I don't know what my nickname I don't is. Know I don't know what mine know. is either. Somebody tell me. Yeah. No, don't tell me. Call in. No way. So uh, John had spent some time in Tokyo. He was a really good guy. And actually, I'm in his uh, family tree of sponsorship because he sponsored my he sponsored my sponsor. So anyways, I, I go to this meeting. Yeah. The guy pulls me. He's like, hey, we're over here. So I go in. And the funniest thing he was. pulled you in. Pulled me in. And when I sat down, they, like he got a chair for me. Nice. They, everybody like parting of the sea. They all sat around a table. And uh person to my left started talking and they're like or it was like right away it was like boom it was my turn to share oh wow and people are like you don't have to share i was like nope i'm good here we go dude i'm a talker yeah who knows what fell out of my mouth i mean it was yeah. probably some crazy stuff and they're probably like yep he belongs but i actually i know what i said more or less because i know what i was going through and oh I just, yeah and i just went you I let it out put it out on the table oh that's so huge and then afterwards people came up to me and were like doo, 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 of doo, course doo. they and, did yeah, and i that- got names and numbers and I, I went to that meeting on a regular basis i became the coffee maker and i did that coffee for like 90 days I got up it's seven days a week at wow. six o'clock in the morning I got up and I made the coffee and what a great way to get to know people because look I had to figure this stuff out on my own like what works for me what doesn't work for me you know like no one's sitting around me knocking drinks out of my hand so I got to figure out what it what I works for me but and you kind of do figure that out on your own you can have help doing it but this I don't get sober by myself it's a we program and when you go to the same meeting over and over people get to know you and that's what you have to do because i can walk into said meeting and people be like hey Tim, hey what's wrong like yeah. they know that come on pull me aside and talk to me they like, know you i have if you think about alcoholics anonymous i have i mean it don't use um, a meeting as therapy but you know what i mean i i have people that i can talk to i can bounce ideas off of because my if i'm left to my own devices and my own ideas i'm gonna i'm gonna do myself in so when i have an idea like oh you know what well I bounce it off people in the program. This is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? And that is where sponsorship comes in. Yep. So, um, so important how you, you, I love how you spoke up right away because sometimes that's the difference. Um, you know, if you, you see sometimes, and I was one of them, I came in, I sat in the back of the room, I didn't say anything. And a couple of the guys came up and pulled me to the middle. You know, they pulled me to the, you know, they come next time, come sit with me in the middle. And I, and I like, I, it's so important to open your mouth because if you, as a newcomer, don't open your mouth, we don't know what's going on in your head. We're not mind readers, you know. So, I think that's, um, I think that's a really, really important point for anybody who's new, who's listening out there, or who's trying to trying to get sober. You know, it's like 
you have to open your mouth. You have to, you know, you don't have to share, you know, you don't have to share everything that's going on in your life. Like you said, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a doctor's office, but share your, share your feelings as pertained to alcohol, alcoholism and your abuse of alcohol. In addition to, you're making a great point about speaking up and, you know, I always tell people when we do our commitments at the agents in the eyes is that I, I dare them. I say, go to a meeting. I dare you go to a meeting and raise your hand. Say your name and say you're new and say you need help. I was like, it's hard. And then watch what happens. Yes. You know, and then here's another thing. Try to get a phone number from a dude. Hey, man, can I have your phone number? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's again, goes against everything that I was taught growing. You know, like, it's just, it's. Think about how beautiful that is. Because in that setting that you just said, if you go there, you open up, you be honest, I need help. Guaranteed people are coming to you, right? Oh, yeah. I can guarantee you. Can't it. Get you, out. You, you can't can get out. You can't get out. And where does that happen? Like, where is that going to happen? At the coffee shop here? Yeah. No. The bar? At Walmart? At the bar? It ain't happening, right. man. It's by a beautiful, the... healthy, safe, peaceful, calm. And, I, like, I can't say enough and, about and, it. And by the way, if you go to a meeting and you stick your hand up and say you're new and you need help and no one approaches you, that's okay, too. Don't ever go back to that that's meeting. It. That's yeah. That was the barometer that you needed right there. Yeah. Like, that's a crazy thing. Like, you know, we're talking about asking for help. Not only did, was I unwilling to ask for help because I didn't know any better. But I also didn't know that there were people out there who wanted to help me. There you go. Which, you know, again, back to sponsorship. Yes. You know, like, so we're going to dance around that or should we get into it? Let's get into that. <laughs> no, no. Well, what no, I want to... I'm just joking. I, I, I like, um, you know, because you're talking about these suggestions. So I'm wondering if you could put your finger on, one, you know, one or two of the key suggestions that maybe oh, you heard goodness. early on, yes. which may have helped you well, and that you could pass on to a newcomer. Yeah, so... Absolutely. One thing else, I'm going to sidetrack myself, I'm sure, start with this, is when you first come in, if, if I am speaking to a newcomer, those, there are things like um, suggestions that you hear. It's, hold on, is that going to be a problem? Can you hear that buzzing? Nope. Okay. Um, when I Wait, first, what's, I, hold on, I can't hear you oh, over that just, buzzing. No, I'm just kidding. Well, now it just stopped. It must have hurt <laughs> us, neighbors. When I came in, some of the things, like, bothered me. Yeah. You know, like the... One day at a time. Oh. And the, just, the slogans that are so simple, I almost found them offensive. Like, yeah, of course I can only take one day at a time. Well, I, I mean, if I could take two days at a time, Same. I already would have done it. Same. Right? So, But then those little, I call them nuggets now. Those little nuggets mm. come back to save your, your butt when it's on fire one day. So everything in this program of recovery is a suggestion except for the very first step. You, there has to be an omission of powerlessness and that the life had become unmanageable mm -hmm. on the present courses. That has to be done 100% rock solid. And, the, and then after that, there are suggestions. I suggest you do them all and do everything the way everyone, not everyone suggests it, but you know what I'm saying? Like the thing is, as an alcoholic, I mean, I should have been a lawyer because I just look for loopholes, you know, like, <laughs> but, but, you know, yeah, but. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, some of the suggestions, things that worked for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, something that you could pass on that would be, you know, would be helpful. Yeah. So when you come in, people, I've heard this a bunch of times, say, you only have to change one thing. And they go, you, you just have to change everything. everything. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. That's good. I don't agree with that. It's just semantics, wordplay, whatever you want. Yeah. What I say yeah. is you have to change, or what I did was I changed my way of thinking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So let me start right here. I don't tell people how to stay sober. I don't go around saying, I've never, I don't tell anyone how to stay sober. If someone asks me, I will tell them how I stay sober. Sure. And that's because that's all I have. And if it works for you, you know, pick it up and run with it. So what I did was I changed my way of thinking. And if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change, right? Mm. So I'm going to give you a couple examples. Okay. For example, sure. yeah. playing the victim. Okay. Now, if you're in Alcoholics Anonymous and you were anywhere near the situation I was, <laughs> when I came into AA, you got some stuff going on in your life, right? Nobody comes in uh, on, a, with a, on a winning streak on nope. a, or checking off the bucket list. Okay, good. 12-step program did it. Like, <laughs> right. you know, and so we're kind of resistant to get, to get into it all. But if you play the if I, sorry, if That's, I play the yeah, victim and yeah. I say to say, why is this happening to me again? Why is this happening to me again? I literally don't solve anything. I mean, and I'm just, mur, mur, world's smallest violin. That doesn't do anything. That's a very low vibrational frequency. It, it, it's like anger, resentment, jealousy, fear, all that stuff low on the spectrum. That's what that playing the victim does. So what do I do? I change the way I look at it. So something has happened to me, and it's 
you know, inherently negative. Mm. So instead of going, why does this always happen to me? I say, okay, man, this sucks. But what, why am I here? How am I going to get out of it? And what is the universe? The universe is my higher power, my friend, the energy that connects us all. Now there's good energy and the bad energy. So you might call that God and the devil. We might be arguing semantics, but anyways, for me, it's all about energy. So I, I look at that and say, you know, how did I get here? What, what did I do to be here and how am I going to get out of it? You know, I, if I look to see that, what is the universe teaching me? Is there a lesson for me to learn here from what just happened? And if I do that and I, and I look at this experience, which is inherently negative as a learning opportunity, trying to make it positive, I can then solve the problem, whatever it is that's fuddled duddle on me, because what I've found is the universe is going to keep giving me the same problems over and over until I fix them. Mm-hmm. Another case in point, anger. If right. I, I, I have a problem with anger, if I left untreated, I'm walking around like a volcano. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just one of those things. So what is the universe trying to teach me? You know, it's just changing the way I look at things. And that has been a really, um, a really good concept for me to think about in, in the thinking, because what I've learned, you know, the things I've learned growing up haven't necessarily served me so well. So now I'm open changing my way of thinking. Look, this is, there's only three things that I'm in control of. So this was, this is some thinking that I have conceptualized for you. This is only three things that I'm in control of and and they're linked together like dominoes. My thinking, my attitude, and my behavior. Mm -hmm. It's only three things that I'm really in control of. Mm -hmm. And then there are three things that I'm not in control of and those are other people, the past, and the truth. Now, if you're sitting there going, Maybe you weren't like me, but when I was drinking, I tried to control all three of those because if you were sitting there tapping your foot, man, that would bother me. Can you, hey, you, over there tapping, yeah. your, chewing with your gum, can you stop? I expected <laughs> other people to change their behavior yeah. so I could be more comfortable in my skin. Yeah. <laughs> Who is mightier than I? <laughs> what, what an ego, yeah. right? And that's yeah. in this, it's not realistic to think that people are going to change. I wouldn't change for you, by the way. If you asked me, I'd be like, pound sand. Right, like, right, but right. I expect you to change for of me. Of course. So then the other thing, too, is the past. I wanted to change the past. I had regrets or remorse or whatever it is. And then how did I do that? The truth. I would change the truth. So the other people, the past, and the truth, I'm not in control of them, but I was trying to control them all the time. Now, if I'm going into situations where I think I'm in control, but I'm not in control, how do you think those results were? Mm, so it was good. catastrophic results came from really you know not really planning or preparation mentally i was very weak you know what do you what do you say he's mentally weak well think about it you take care of your body you put good food into it you exercise the brain's no different you got to have good thoughts going into it you have you need to and just like your computer or your phone you ever put so much stuff in there it gets jammed up your computer goes slow What, what do you do you reboot it you clear it out well guess what when you sleep at night that's the same thing. You're rebooting your brain. Like you got to take care of yourself physically, mentally, and then of course we'll get into the spiritually. So changing the way that I'm thinking, I'll just, I'm just i going to wrap it up, not at least the thinking thought. I want to wrap it up like this. I'm going to give you that analogy, the dog, if I may. So I am uh, walking in the woods, and I'm having a great day. It's nature. I'm happy, la-di-da. And then I see up on the path a little bit, there's a dog leaning against a tree. I love animals, by the way. Who's a good boy? <laughs> so I get up to the dog. First, I like I crouch down. Now, he's over the tree. I crouch down the pathway. I'm like, who's a good boy? Come here. Right. I'm gonna right. And he doesn't come. I'm like, what the? You know, come here, buddy. So I start. Now I get up and I approach him. And he growls at me. He's like, shows me his teeth. It could be a girl. I don't know this, by the way. <laughs> so the dog growls at me and instantly what kicks in my fight or flight yeah. my first thought is like you little i'm gonna kick you like how dare you and then i'm like all right well if i get in close for a kick he might bite me so now i'm gonna be like, all right so i'm gonna fight i'm gonna leave i'm so i'm not gonna fight him i'm gonna i'm gonna leave so as i continue down the path and i give him a side look look kind of look back i see that this poor dog is he's in a trap he's got a well, steel jaws in his hind quarters that's why he didn't move from the tree that's why he didn't come see me and that's why he showed his teeth to me so now instantly my perception and how I think and feel about this animal, this situation has changed automatically. Why? Because I can see where this animal is coming from. Trapped, pain, Mm -hmm. desperation, vulnerability, Mm -hmm. and hence, he's fight or flight, but he can't fly, so he's ready to fight. Okay, it's just an analogy. What am I getting all worked up over? Hold on. So when I go elsewhere in the world, I'm dealing with human beings in real time, 
not a dog in an analogy, but someone growls or barks at me, my first instinct is fight or flight, of mm -hmm. course. But if I can hold on a second and maybe just keep that in check and think about, try to get down the path a little bit and take a look back, that person who's attacking me is coming where they're coming from. They're trapped, they're in pain, and they're vulnerable, fear. If I can see, the, if I have the perception to see where someone is coming from, mm. I can then adjust my attitude. And because the other thing too is like, Everything's about me. Me, 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 me. I'm in recover me. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Me, I'm in me recovery. Yeah, there you go. Right? So because everything that's happening to me seems like, well, and stuff that's happened to you, well, that, that's your stuff. But with the knowledge that we're all going through something, you know, your battles just seem to be the biggest. If I can realize that that person who, for whatever reason, you know, like the me kneeling down on the, par, on the path and saying, come here, good boy, is like me coming into a meeting going, hey, how's it going? You know, and then I don't get a response. And I'm like, oh. I hate you, or yeah. whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I there's do. all these. It's all upstairs too. Mm -hmm. All that stuff crumbles down upstairs. Mm -hmm. So, I really stay uh, connected with myself in the sense I try to be very careful of what I think because I mean, you've heard the analogy like your mind's like a garden. Like, what kind of do you want to grow flowers yeah. or do you want to grow weeds? And then the thinking part, you know, the the thinking, the attitude, the behavior. It's right from the very start. As soon as I wake up in the morning, my first thoughts, I try to make them positive. And look, early recovery, it might be hard, but once you get a little physical sobriety under your belt like we have, it's not hard to be positive. I mean, I've stopped taking copious amounts of a depressant. That that helps. But in the morning, I wake up like, look at me. I got two legs. I got two arms. Yeah. You know, I'm ahead of the game. Yeah. I'm sober. I have all this going for me. So I, I, I do this in the morning. I just do a little gratitude list. That's all the it. things, you know, I do a gra all these things I'm so grateful for. And then before my feet even hit the ground, I am in the right frame of mind. I'm positive. I'm moving forward, and I can build on that for the rest of the day. But you've worked on that, you know. And that's, oh, it didn't come easy. It didn't come easy. No. You know, it doesn't come easy. And you make it. You kind. You make it sound easy. And I know you're not trying. No, you're not trying to. None of this is easy, by the way. Early recovery is very tough. It's very, very difficult. You know, and 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 I know that you're not saying it is, but um, you know, you can tell. I'm hearing you say this, and you've done. You've done so much work, like. To be able to wake up, and I know every day isn't like that, but so when, you, how about this? The wake up, the days you wake up and it's like, fuck, this sucks, this blows. At least you know where to go. So, right, there's the thing. That's the other uh, aspect of this one little piece is that I, I can recognize my problem. If, if my problem is that I'm feeling crappy or I'm in a, in a bad mood, I'll catch myself exactly. because I've learned, and then I know what to do. So exactly. here's the thing. If you're just trying to stay sober and you pick up a drink, you know, so you relapsed. I like to call them slips. Uh, so, well, so, you, so you pick up a drink. Uh, why? It's, wait, it's, why? It's, What's the, is there a, a slip really? Say, you just slipped. You're just, a relapse almost sounds like you got to go back to go, start over, collect $200. Oh, and you we almost, a, we almost do that with the chips. <laughs> but you have if, a, if you were walking down the street here, going to the store and you slipped, yeah. would you come all the way back to your house and start over oh, again? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's yeah. just, okay. So you just, so you just keep moving. So if, you know, if you, if you had a drink, you had a slip, it's okay. It's a, if you're an alcoholic, it's the most natural thing. We've been dealing with alcohol, you know, thoughts and feelings we've been dealing with alcohol so if you had a slip you know that's no big deal mm. it's just what are you going to do get right back on and start over that is what we are taught in the program like all right so if you had your last drink in the parking lot that's okay guess guess when the perfect time to quit is right, right now, now. Yeah. right now there's no better time to quit than right now yeah. so a lot of people, the problem in early recovery is if you, if you slip and you have a drink, it's like, and you were counting days, you're like, well, now I have oh. 15 days and now I don't, so I might as well, I'll right. start counting again, like whatever it is. It, that's you the know, loophole I was talking about as an alcoholic that we look for. That's a little pressure. You're right. And um, not that I have a problem with counting days, but it, it you know, it can be a deterrent. There's many things know? in this program that are a uh, double-edged sword, if you will. That yeah. one thing is like if... If you, you know, because I did too, I, ha I was collecting the chips, I had them up there, I was, you know, I was, and then I, and then I actually, I didn't get that first medallion, I, I, I slipped, yeah. and I picked up, and I went back on, I remember I took all those, uh, so the chips are plastic, and the medallions are metal, I took all the chips, and I brought them back to my sponsor, and I was like, hey man, I was like, Honest. I relapsed, yeah, and, he, huh? and we were in like the corridor outside, you yeah. know, and, and we were talking out, out before the meeting, and, and I wanted to give him back the chips to go back to the group, Yeah. and he goes, yeah, he goes, that's not how it works, and he points to the trash can, he goes, go ahead, you can just put them right there, and he goes, let go of them and he, I put him in the trash and he goes that's exactly where they belong he goes let go of them that's in the past because wow. you don't need to, and right so I didn't catch it at the time though but later that that sank in it's the most natural thing so with anything else in life is that like, Tokyo Joe 
No, that was Tokyo uh, John's uh, <laughs> sponsor. No, my sponsor, Jay. Jay Smith. Because, Tokyo John wasn't my sponsor. <laughs> because that is an awesome thing. Yeah. I've never heard that. Oh, awesome. I love that. And that's a metaphor. It's like, let go, dude. Right. But it's, so it's the same thing when you're dealing with anything else in life, whether it's anger or like throughout the course of the day. I might have to reset. Yeah. You know, so if I wake up in the morning and I'm, and so it's, when but I was, ha- when I was. Having the ability to reset though. This is the great, when I was drinking, you ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed? <laughs> when I was drinking, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed every time. You know why? My bed was pushed into a corner. I only had one way to go off, you know, and that, and that really was it though, because I never gave alcohol its due either too. Like if I drank on Saturday night and yeah. I got ham boned yeah. and then Sunday morning, no, I didn't, I didn't have a drink in the morning, but I went to work or whatever and something happened. I never blamed alcohol because I wasn't drinking. But the reality is, when I drink on Saturday night, I'm still in, under the influence of alcohol Sunday, at least emotionally, yeah. the way I handle situations and the way I react to them. The alcohol in that, in that aspect is calling the shots. I never realized that. For, it took me a while. Yeah. So I want to hear, I, I, I need to say something quick. It's something that we touched on. I just Get wanna, it out. I just want to let this known. It's And you said it. If, if you're new, right? And you're going to meetings and you can't stop drinking and you're drinking before the meeting. You feel like, oh, this isn't for me. You know, I suck. I'm drinking before. We are addicted to alcohol. We're, that's like what we should be doing. You know, I, I hear some of these guys with so much wisdom. Not what we should be doing, but, you know, I hear guys in the meetings who have who've just been doing this for a long time. And they're like, if you're here and you're drunk it's better than being on a bar stool and wishing about being in recovery. Mm, absolutely. You know. So let's let me just hear about your day. You know, you you've you've given some unbelievable insight in here. So, you know, well, I so, would sorry. That's okay. There there's you are going to ask me what's a typical day like in the no, life. Of, yeah, yeah. What's a typical day, Tim? There is no typical ah! day, but I would I will tell you there are some things that I do on a regular basis. Now, when I first got into you know, it was an early recovery. I did have that routine. I would get up in the morning. I'd do this, that. I had all these things I had to do. Like, and it's, you know, look, if you're in early recovery, you might not be working. I wasn't. So your job is to go to meetings and take care of yourself. That's it. Don't worry about, don't worry about money. It's you, the money will be there. You'll be all right. Look at you. You survived this far. But what if you are working? Oh, that's fine. I mean, yeah. you still, it's, I guess, you, but you still have to get to meetings. You do. I can't stress enough how important meetings are in early recovery because you've got to get that identification. You know, we were talking about drunkologues, which, you know, good and bad, like that double-edged sword I keep bringing back up. But it's, I need to hear someone tell their drunkologue because I drank vodka like with reckless abandon. And, and the way I drank it, I, I don't believe anyone else would ever drink it the way that I did. But guess what? <laughs> you go to enough meetings, you hear someone tell your story. And I heard someone, Describe their drinking was ex- exactly like mine, and the reason like that's the I magic. Not, man. I not only want to hear about someone drinking, but I want to hear about why you drank. You no know, like doubt. I, it's because I drank over feelings. I was feeling this. I mean, I drank because I was an alcoholic, but I was feeling this way, and I wanted to change it or augment it or whatever it was. Hide it, suppress I it. I love that when people talk about their feel or how how did how did it make you feel? I want to know that because in my world. I, I think I'm the only one feeling this stuff. And that's the beauty of when you get out there into meetings, you get that, I, uh, you identify with people, yeah. you know, and you you make those connections and you realize you're not unique. You're not unique. You're not, a, you're not, and you're not alone either. You're you never alone. have to be alone again. Never. Which sounds kind of, when you first hear that, you're like, oh, I don't have to be alone, but sometimes I want to be alone. You will. Don't worry. But if you <laughs> find yourself sitting around going, what do I, what am I doing? Because I don't know about you, but when I stopped drinking, I had a lot of free time on my hand because drinking took up a lot of, a lot of time. And then also not just the drinking, there was the getting the drink, getting my, hiding it drinking whatever and then being drunk oh, so there was much so work. much to it when so i when work. i removed all of that from my life i was like you had time tumbleweeds and yeah, crickets yeah, right, were blowing. Right, i was like right. i was like because a lot of the things i used to do i had let slip away i used to ride mountain bikes i didn't i used to play guitar i sold right. out seven guitars all that stuff but guess what you know what recovery means it means to get back the things you have lost mm. and so then i was able to recover those things i have a mountain bike i play the guitar again you know yeah. i'm able to fill those times up and now there's not enough hours in the day. Right. Like life is so good. I, you know, you hear a life second to none. You know, and I don't know about that, but all I know is that my life today is it's really good, and I owe it to Alcoholics Anonymous because, like I said, I tried to stop drinking every which way but loose. I couldn't do it on my own. Mm-mm. I mean, I did it on my own in the general sense of no one was going around slapping drinks out of my hand. But it's a we program. Mm. Like, I need you, and you need me. It's like the symbiotic relationship. It's so. It's uh. I tell you what. One of the problems, you know, I'm talking about thinking a, a lot, and, and I, I'm careful what I think. My entire life, if I look back on events 
that were going to happen in my life. I've always been guilty of, and I work on this now in staying present, but I've always attached expectations to events. Well, this is how it should turn out. And now, of course, I'm trying to control people in situations. And I, it's, so, so every, for example, uh, well, I'm going to I'm going to start this new job. Okay. Okay. And I I, I think that. They're going to carry me out on the shoulders. I'm such a good worker, you know, <laughs> okay. like they're going to rename this hammer in position in my, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. Or I, I think that I should get, you know, a 45 minute break. I, I, whatever it is, I'm going to attach it. But when I get into the real thing and yeah. I'm not in control, things yeah. don't go the way I plan. Like, oh no, you know, we're not going to be painting today. We're going to be pulling poop out of a toilet. So I've attached an expectation. I was going to do this today. So now I'm disappointed, Yeah. you know? And so with almost everything in my life, and when I, when, I, when I attach an expectation, it doesn't turn out the way I expected. So hence, I am disappointed. Right. Except for one thing in my life. It's Alcoholics Anonymous. I attach an expectation to Alcoholics Anonymous. I thought it was going to suck, man. I thought it was like a death sentence. I got to go to this place. Wait, for how long? Turned out to be the best thing in my life. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's not a bad hit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like going to meetings. There's nothing wrong with that. The people I meet, for the most part, there's, you know, if you think about Alcoholics Anonymous, we're kind of a banged up lot. So... Be careful on that. Just wait till you meet someone that resonates with you. You'll know when the time's right. Yeah. And always, if you're sober, trust your gut instinct. That feeling in that, that you get in that, when you meet someone or whatever it is, that situation, that gut instinct, trust that because that's energy, which is a good segue right into sponsorship, which I started to go earlier but then saw something shiny. The great thing about sponsorship uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or whatever it is, it's uh, the person that you're gonna to ask to be your sponsor has already done all the things you're gonna do. So you've heard the, you know, the phrase you can't BS a B BSer. You know, like that's it in a nutshell. Your sponsor has already done the things you're gonna do. It alcoholism is actually it's not only progressive, but it's trackable. Like you can almost predict what people are gonna do depending on what stage they're in. And so especially if you're last gasper at the end of it, you know, like my this the sponsor's already been where you're at. It's been through your things. And that's why it's, it's you have someone to lean on and to ask questions. And they can give you advice. This is the best part of it is that when I make a decision on my life, I'm making that decision not only using my brain, which in early recovery was, was damaged, but I'm attaching emotions to that. A sponsor can give you advice that doesn't have your emotions attached to it, give you that outside perspective. I can't say enough about sponsorship. Not only getting a sponsor, but once you get enough time, which there's no predetermined time limit, when you feel you're ready, which don't even wait till you feel ready. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, that feel might never come. Right. Your higher power right. will let you know by someone will ask you. Right. As soon as you can, yeah, start helping other people. That's where, that's where the magic really, the real magic and real traction. So look, this has been great. I want to say thank you very much. And there's just one final thing. I, I do this when I go to the H's and the I's because, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous has a real, uh, maybe not an accurate persona, but there is the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the 12 steps. And then there is the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the meetings. So I, I want to give it all away. I'm going to p pull the curtain back and tell you how it works. Now, remember, I said I'm not going to tell anyone how to stay sober, but this is, you know, how I stay sober. And it's uh, go to meetings. You, you have to, when early recovery, I don't want to say you have to go to meetings. I had to go to meetings. You, we all should be going to meetings. Right. So early recovery, you go to meetings. Now, here's the caveat of that. Go to a, some different meetings. Don't go to the same meeting. Go to a few different meetings so you can get a barometer and judge this one I like, yeah. this one I don't like. Yep. And you, it's the format you may not like. It might not be the people in there. You're not going to like anyone. Do you like everyone? I don't like everyone. Does everyone like me? I think they do. Wait, what? So go to enough meetings where you can figure out, okay, this is the one that I like. And not only do you like it, but can you get there? Is it on Wednesdays at 5.30? Does that work for you? If you work at Wednesdays at 5.30, that's not going to be your meeting. Great so point. All, right, all these things factor in. So you go to meetings, then find a meeting that you like and that you can go to, and then you join that group. And what you do when you join the group, you just write your name in the book. And it's very similar to when you first go in, we're talking about, you know, you raise your hand to let people know that you're new because we want to be able to gauge where you're at and what you need for help. And it's the same thing when you go and pick up those chips. By picking up a chip, you let us know where you're at. So you go to meetings, you find the meeting that you like, you join the group, you get a sponsor. Yeah. Get a sponsor who also has a sponsor, whose sponsor has taken him through the big book. And then you ask that person to be your sponsor, have them take you through the big book. And then when you start to put all these pieces together and you're like, man, uh, 
You can't. You don't even know why you drank in the first place. Awesome. It gets so good because life is so good. The last one, the fifth one, is service work. Give it away. If you want to keep that feeling, you want to keep feeling good, you have to give it away. Get back into the program. Take a position of service. Whatever can work for you. Don't do something that you're not going to be able to stick with or, or you don't like. Don't be a martyr. Coffee position, treasurer, secretary, there's plenty to choose from. You could join a group that goes out on commitments once a week, uh, speaker meeting groups, and then you can travel around, tell your story when the time's right, when you're comfortable, and then go, you go to meetings with other people. That's pretty important. I think that gets overlooked a lot. Don't go to, I mean, you can, but it's better to go with someone else because after the meeting, you'll have a little meeting after the meeting, yeah. and you can discuss, and if you have a sponsor, you can discuss what was, was told at the meeting or, or you heard at the meeting because sometimes you'll hear something in a meeting, you'll take it home, and you'll be like, but I'm not doing it that way. And, <laughs> yeah. and my sponsor's like, relax, let it go. That's yes. just that person, and that's what's working for them. And so it's really good to bounce ideas and what you've heard and thoughts and just discuss all of it because really the the solution is it's not in a shot or a pill not saying you don't take shots or pills if the doctor prescribes them for you but the solution is two people getting together and connecting with a, a power greater than ourselves the source you know energy the universe whatever it is and when you get there my friends and i'm going to tell you you can get there it is such a beautiful place and that's you know i want to share that with everyone and sometimes you'll meet people like me at a meeting be like ah all just it's, it's hard not to want to give away what I have. But the thing is, you have to want it. I love it. I love it all, man. Thank you so much. My Thank pleasure. you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for hosting me. Thanks for bringing me over here to this uh, nice part of the North Shore. Don't ever come back here. That we live in. And uh, where are you going, man? You're going on a trip. You're I'm gonna leaving. Go, yeah, I'm going to go to the desert for the You're for the winter time. Desert, Take buddy. a little uh, trip. You know, another awesome, uh, gift of sobriety, yeah. if I may say. You know. And also, when I travel, yeah. when I take off, meetings along all the way. I've gone to meetings up in Alaska, California, Oregon, yeah. New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado. I've been, I've been all over. And it's great too. You go because you get to see different how, in different areas they kind of they kind of do it differently. Yeah, they tweak it. In North Carolina, w when they're doing the reading of the twelve and twelve, I'll never forget the first time the person was reading something and they stopped in the middle of the paragraph and go, "You know what this makes me think of?" And I was like, "What? What? What?" <laughs> But that's how they do it down there. You can just stop at any point in time and, and, and interject. Yeah, that's if, cool. If the, if the moment struck you, that's good. Yeah, there was a couple Not other so little rigid. things that they, you know, they did down there that they didn't do here. It's just, it's cool, fantastic. Man. And I'll tell you the other thing too. And when I went out to other areas, and again, if you're new and you go to a meeting, there's always a beginning of the meeting. They ask, "Is anyone new coming back or visiting?" And that is the opportunity for you to raise your hand and say, percent wh where you're at." So with me, I'm out in uh, Arizona, and they have a bunch of clubhouses there. You know, I mean, a bunch of clubhouses. So they're open 24 hours. You can always go there and make like a, a meal. Like an AA clubhouse. It's an AA club. Yeah. So down south, they have clubhouses. So you go there. It's open. Are they tree house? Are they up in trees? Where There's are no they? No tree houses now. And but <laughs> and they're the usually they're open like all day. How and throughout the course of the day, they'll bang out a couple meetings. So yeah. anyways. Yeah. I mean, I just remember this. I was in yeah. Arizona, and I went to, and there was like, they were having food before the meeting. It was it was pretty awesome. That's so cool. So I go to the meeting, and the, anyone knew? I said, yeah, my, na my name's uh, Tim, and yeah. I'm from Bleep. And so then the meeting opens up, and it was the same thing no matter what I was. I was in Alaska or Arizona or wherever I was. If I introduced myself, once the meeting opened up, someone would go, I'm Joe, and they go, but I want to hear from, and they would, you know, say my, my area that I said I was from. And so almost every meeting that I went to, I, I, I shared. Nice. And which, and which was good for me traveling around. If there was something going on that I wanted to get out, you know? And, yeah. And then, and then the whole time too that I was out, whenever I'm out traveling around, I take the program with me. I have my literature, so I have that to work. But I also have the numbers. Yeah. And even though I'm, you know, like, so the guy that's sponsoring me right now, he's not local, which I, I kind of, when I say I frown upon that, if I was giving someone some advice or telling them whatever, like I would say get somebody local. Yeah. So you can go to meetings and you can go get a cup of coffee. I've known this gentleman forever. And, yeah. And I call him all the time. And so my sponsor isn't in the same vicinity, but I've known him forever. And yeah. not that I'm making exceptions or whatever. Yeah. Calling him is better than, than not calling him. Well, you have a sponsor. But I have a sponsor, yeah. And uh, um, I was going to say, uh, I forget what I was going to say. Well, you know what? I'm looking at the clock. My mom's yeah. going yeah, 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 to yeah, yeah, be home yeah, any yeah. minute now. <laughs> you got to clean this stuff up and get it out of here. Awesome, man. So, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm going to miss you. Yeah, buddy. Well, I'll see you when you get back. It'll be so long, not goodbye. I'll see you when you get back. Absolutely. Buddy. All right, I love you, man. Love you, too. All right, bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, hopefully this is uh, another successful episode that uh, 
That gets up and on the interwebs. Uh, that's it for today. Don't delete it. Thank you. Bye.